I'm not even giving you a countdown. Oh, okay then. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to B and B anime. I guess we're just thrust right into it this week. I got to keep you on your toes. I got to give you, you something different every week. Yeah, yeah. You know what I was really debating on us doing for this episode was you know that oh. little um trumpet. Is it a trumpet? I don't know my brass instruments. Sorry, uh, but that do 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 do. Do 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 do. I was thinking we could do that, with like the opening, do a little opening jingle for the for the show. But that hurts my heart, considering I finished up your line April this week. Yeah, but uh, sad day. But also adorable. I mean, yes, adorable, but also my heart it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why you suffer your, suffer yourself through it. That's not exactly what I was going to say, but it gets the point across. I mean, yeah, yeah, point point made. <laughs> yeah. However, I will say worth it. I got to watch it with a bunch of homies. I got to watch a bunch of homies cry. I cried. It was fun. It was all fun. It was very enjoyable. I enjoyed watching it with everyone, and I'm excited to whatever the hell we're going to move on to next week. Yes, Probably yeah. Probably Full Metal. Oh, uh, Brotherhood or just regular? Brotherhood. Always Brotherhood. Even though it'll take a while to get through, Brotherhood. Oh, I, uh, there's the, the one, the one moment in Full Metal Alchemist that, uh, I think everyone, when they introduce the show to others, watches out for. If you have seen the show, it's probably already come to mind, but if I just say, dog, you know what I'm talking about. Um. Bad word. Sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be interesting. You're gonna have to report back to us on how that went. I will be sure to let everyone know. Also, so mm. we, after we wrap that up, so we do that on Wednesdays. Well, Fridays, we decided to have another weeb day and we got everybody started on Dress Up Darling. Oh, okay. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody seems to be enjoying that as well. So mm-hmm. it's it's fun getting more homies to watch anime with. And I I cannot complain at all. You know what I can complain about, though? What? Glitter, glitter every fucking where. Oh yes, yes. So you had your twenty-four uh, hour live stream event. Yes. Last week. So my eight-hour subathon that reached, I literally got just enough subs to where it pushed it to the twenty-four hour mark. Mm-hmm. So I did not reach my final sub goal of shaving my head and beard on stream thank god (laughs) although i did cut my hair today do you want to see how much hair i lost today i do want to see for those of you guys who have never seen uh, a brad (laughs) if you've never put a face to the name wow that's a fair amount of hair uh and that's a big dustpan too yeah that is one full dustpan you guys can't see what he just sent me but yeah one full dustpan um it was a lot of hair yeah. Um, so you, uh, how do we describe your hair situation? You are a very, a, a pretty hairy dude. So if I let my hair grow out like I had up to this point, because mm-hmm. obviously I was going to do a glitter beard mm-hmm. for the subathon, but also I figured I'd do glitter hair as well as like an initial sub goal and then do the glitter beard as like the next big one. Mm-hmm. And so with that, my hair, whenever I let it grow, is an afro. Mm-hmm. No joke. 
it's an afro. I don't yeah. know where that comes from. Nobody else in my family has as curly of hair as I do, but it's an afro, and my beard is extremely thick and curly as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that happens, but yeah, so me, but beard. Yeah, yeah. Um, my brother has curly hair as well. My brother has like uh, very tight ringlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I used to have like full on ringlet curls back mm-hmm. whenever I was younger, but now it's just full on afro. It's <laughs> so dense and thick. It's afro. So is that why you keep it short or um, do you keep it short for other reasons? Eczema. Mm, good, that point. The longer yep. my hair grows, the more it breaks out and like starts to scab over and become painful to wash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep it short. That's a fair point. Yeah. Eczema yeah, is so. no fun. I've had two different versions of eczema in my life and uh, yeah, no fun. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it so yeah. much. So thankfully, I won't have to deal with that again for a while. And now that that's over with and I don't plan on doing another one of those ever for the time being i don't have to worry about letting my hair grow out anymore so i can keep it short medicate Mm -hmm. my scalp keep everything taken care of because my god the first shampooing after cutting my hair hurts like a bitch i bet i bet do you use any kind of like um gentle medical shampoos or whatever or do you just go with whatever I use tea tree because it's it's specific for like dandruff and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's going to sting like a mofo. It burns like hell, but typically it clears it up within like a day or two. So I'm willing mm. to put up with the pain for a time or two. But it's so good at keeping my scalp moisturized whenever, you know, there's not a shit ton of hair there. Mm. Yeah, I, my my mom used to slather my legs in pseudocreme, which is like a... Mm-hmm moisturizing very thick moisturizing cream um when i was little and, and my legs and my arms were, were the worst um but my legs were, were a lot worse than my arms um and mm-hmm. uh, and i used to have these like bandage socks um that i used to like have my entire legs coated with when i was younger um because i'd scratch in my sleep so I, like i was all right during the day I, I was quite conscious of not scratching but obviously when you have eczema and you're asleep you just scratch it and then you you bleed quite badly um mm-hmm. and yeah so i had these these bandage socks so i i think we still have them in the medicine cabinet somewhere and I, every now and again i find them and i'm like oh yeah i remember that and then uh in high school my hands like when i emigrated from england my eczema pretty much cleared up because it was a lot of it was just how damp the uk is you know um, and then a lot of that cleared up. But when I went to high school, um, I started to develop this uh, seasonal eczema on my hands um, where the skin would just flake off. And it wasn't itchy or anything. And it didn't create the kind of rash that eczema normally looks like. Um, my skin was just literally just falling off of my hands to the point where they were like really, really translucently thin. And my fingertips were gone. Like I could have <laughs> stolen something and you wouldn't have been able to trace it back to me because I had no fingertips, fingerprints. And uh, uh, yeah, and so I had to have a steroid cream for a while and then I had to wear gloves because, of course, the cream that I had was like really bleaching. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I had to have that for, for a while. But thankfully, it seems to have all cleared up now. I think I kind of grew out of it, hopefully. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. I've not well, grown out of mine. My, no. my head and beard hate me. Mm. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, tea tree, that would suck, though. Yeah, like I said, the first couple of times, it really sucks. But then after it clears up, it's not bad. It does a really good job of keeping Mm -hmm. the 
dandruff and shit at bay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain too awful much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, one thing I will complain about glitter everywhere. Yes. Yeah. It is everywhere. That's another reason why I cut my hair so I could finish getting the glitter out of my <laughs> fucking hair. <laughs> but yep. it's everywhere. I've carried it to work with me. Mm-hmm. My whole recording booth which I don't know how it got glitter on it because it's raised up. Yeah. It's covered in glitter. My oh, microphones yeah. are covered in glitter. My keyboard, my gamepad, my stream deck that I got after the fucking subathon is covered in glitter. I believe it. I believe it. <sighs> I hate it. Yep. I hate it so much. But I guess you could say one good thing technically come out of the subathon. Mm-hmm. I hate the taste of Coke products now. <laughs> okay. Or like Coke, Dr. Pepper. Like I'm a big fan of like Mountain Dew and Baja Blast Zeros. Mm, just Cola. Because yeah, anything like that in general, I hate the taste of it now. Mm. I consume so many Warheads, it fucked up my taste. <laughs> I did that with um, Sour Patch Kids. We had a tub of them, me and the twins, when we were in. Uh, must have been shortly after or during high school. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was a clump of that malic acid sugar combo that was uh-huh. probably like probably the size of a, like a golf ball, like a clump just in the, Ooh, in the tub. That's a big clump. It was a chunky clump. I put it like bigger than a marble, smaller than a golf club, you know, like a golf club, a golf ball, you know, like, you know, that kind <laughs> yeah. of like halfway between size Mm -hmm. um and they dared me to eat that and i did and uh that like sugary malic acid is is no longer very tasty to me anymore it's weird what sour candy can do to like disrupt the taste buds yeah because again like i don't know why it's those things specifically either because everything else tastes just fine yeah just those things in particular to where it's like anytime i take a sip it's just like you know go away (laughs) Yeah, there's these things in the UK um, called toxic waste, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like a warhead, but worse. Um, and they're actually banned, I think, in North America, at least banned in America because of mm-hmm. it. Um, because like warheads, if you consume too many of them, they can cut your tongue and your lips and stuff. So You mean um, like how my mouth was bleeding by the time the subathon was over? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Uh, but yeah, they come in these little like yellow plastic well, they look like a a, a vat, you know, a, a toxic waste disposal vat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look like a miniature version of those. Um, and uh, and I remember when me and my brother were small, we would get them from the from the sweet shop, and we would eat too many of them at a time and burn ourselves and cut our tongues. Love that. Yeah, great fun. So much fun. <laughs> it's quite. A, it's funny to me the amount of sweets that are banned in America that aren't elsewhere. And yet there's a lot of shit that we have here that's banned everywhere else. <laughs> you would think that there would pretty much be no sweets here that are banned. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, every, our everyday food items are banned everywhere else. Yeah. Like you have a lot less regulations on um, like like fast food, like what's put in fast food specifically. Like I actually, we had a... a this was a topic of interest on my stream and then later, and I've had several conversations about this um, over the years, actually, because I'm a vegetarian and um, I can't have McDonald's fries 
in America and I believe Canada as well. I just have been avoiding it. I haven't actually checked, but in America specifically, I know. Um, And then one of our mutual friends said that they had worked in McDonald's and it was just fine for me to have McDonald's fries. They're just cooked in vegetable oil. Like it's, they're they're vegetarian, vegan even. And, uh, and I was like, no, I swear they're they're cooked in like beef fat. Like I swear there's like beef stock in the, or um, uh, yeah, beef fat lard in the, in the fat that they're cooked in. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I swear, I swear that they are, uh, they're vegetarian, they're vegan. Like I, I worked in McDonald's. I know what they cook them in. And I was like, oh no. And then like, Months later, I watched a video that was like one of those comparing fries from England to America. Um, and they mm. compared the ingredients and the ingredients for the UK ones, I think, were just fries, salt and uh, like some kind of oil, a vegetable oil of some kind. And then the American mm. ones had like the fries had like 10 ingredients. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not. They're I don't not get vegetarian. it at all. Yeah. But another thing, another thing on that same kind of front is um, uh, eyeshadows, funnily enough, because there's a, a red, pig, red pigment in, or like, I guess it's the difference between an eyeshadow and a pressed pigment. So mm-hmm. um, a pressed pigment is called that because you can't apply it to the eye in the States. So a lot of the time it's because of things like staining. So like red eyeshadows or red pressed pigments tend to stain um, just because of the, the dyes that are used in them. Um, and so in America, they have to call them pressed pigments as opposed to eyeshadows. And it's because they do have a higher level of pigmentation, I think as well, but like they have to, they can't call them an eyeshadow. Whereas in the UK and in Europe, a lot of them are still just called, or they might be like a pressed pigment eyeshadow, but they're still labeled as an eyeshadow or or advertised as you can use this on the eye. But, um, they're like eyeshadow palettes that are sold in the U S that have, please do not use on your eye area on the eyeshadow palette because technically they're banned what the hell yeah yeah because they die they die the skin and it was like a huge controversy because there was a i think it was the brand ColourPop who had released a palette internationally and they'd used the same marketing campaign in europe that they did in america and the marketing campaign contained you know use it on your eye like it had like the the owner of the brand that was making videos on youtube that was like this is how you should use it and like directional videos that were specifically showing the pigment put on the eye um and Mm. then uh you turn it over and onto the back of the the palette it says please do not put on the eye area so they had to like i think they got sued actually um for that because it was like you can't advertise the instructions of how to use the palette is put it on your eye when it says don't put it on your eye. <laughs> yeah. That's so dumb. Yeah. I had a weird dream this week. Oh? Yeah. Um, I, I remember having it and I was like, I have to remember this so I can tell Brad about it when we record. Um, it was a nightmare, night terror. I don't know. It was first person, but also it wasn't scary in like, because it was so dumb but it was definitely a nightmare you know how like in your brain you know something's a nightmare even if it wasn't that bad Mm -hmm. but like yeah so it was one of those it was like a it woke me up for the point like it scared me to the point of needing to wake me up basically um Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it was first person I was in my apartment in Toronto and um I was looking at I was sitting on the couch and I was looking out my window and on my windowsill I saw three stag beetles but they weren't like three inches like a stag beetle would normally be. They were like an inch, like smaller. 
And I had this jar and I was trying to get the stag beetles into the jar so I could take them outside. There was also like a, a cicada that was normal size, but he's not really relevant to the story. Um, uh, but I was trying to get these stag beetles into the jar. And I, I was using like a piece of tissue or something and like put one on the tissue and then would shake it into the jar. And I managed to get two in the jar, but one of them I'd lost and I couldn't find it. And then it, I all of a sudden I felt like a pinch in between my shoulder blades on my back. And um, and the stag beetle had like crawled up my shirt and had pinched my back and had latched on and I couldn't get it off. And I couldn't reach it to get it off. But I can reach, like I can reach my entire back in real life. But in the dream, I wasn't flexible enough to do so. Mm-hmm. And that's how I woke up. <laughs> that was the scary part <laughs> was that I couldn't get this tiny stag beetle, smaller than a regular stag beetle, off of my back. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't reach it, but I would be able to reach it normally. And I was like, this was a nightmare. (laughs) How is this a nightmare? Okay, so funny you bring that up because I had a very interesting, like, thought experience yesterday. Okay. Because the girlfriend and I went to the fair yesterday. Mm -hmm. That's fun. And while we were there, obviously fairs come with rides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm an old man. Me and rides don't go well together. So obviously today I'm very sore. Mm, you're also a very Although, big person. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't help either. Yeah. However, I'm extremely sore for other reasons as well. Oh. It's not what you think. I was going to say, do we want to know about this? Is okay, the girlfriend so... okay with you sharing this? <laughs> so with the topic of nightmares being brought up. Mm. Yeah. Nightmares have a very weird like way of in- including themselves into your normal everyday psych. Yes, they do. Yeah. And so with that, I have had many a nightmare of going on fair rides and having myself yeeted off yeah. of those things. Fair point. And so yesterday, riding rides with the girlfriend, I was so fucking tense. Mm-hmm. in everything and i i thought i was gonna be fine like i'm fine with riding rides especially ones that don't take me upside down like i'm good for those things i know i'm gonna be sore as hell later in the next day mm-hmm. that's that's just part of it that's part of my back and knee being fucked like they are mm-hmm. however i wanted to have a panic attack with everything that we rode like, it was bad. Like, after oh, we got no. done writing pretty much everything, the girlfriend had asked me, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. Everything's <laughs> no. fine. Oh. Like, I was, I was in so much mental anguish. I'll never admit that to her. Oh. But yeah, I, I was not okay. Like, mentally, I was, I was done. It was that bad. Oh, no. I'm sorry you had a bad so, time. Uh, it's fine. Like overall, it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. I had fun, but whilst the rides were being done, and especially because as I'm a bigger person, mm-hmm. we could not ride most of those rides together. Because yeah. especially fair rides, they're not made for bigger people. No. So I had to do those things alone, and especially the ones that spin around a lot and have a good bit of force to them. Mm-hmm. I was fucking sliding in the seat. Yeah. I was very uncomfy. Yeah. And she got videos of me and sent it to the family. <laughs> and 
everybody was making fun of me, which is fine. I get it. It's all good fun. However, I I was having so much anxiety. I was in oh. such bad shape. It was it was bad. Oh no. Did you at least get to blow up some steam with some games? I played the dart throwing game trying to win her a toy. Trying to? Unsuccessfully? It was unsuccessful. Oh. Fair games are rigged, mate. We all know this. <laughs> yeah, true. Also, inflation. Mm. Those fucking games were so expensive. Oh yeah. my god. I the there's uh okay, so there's a very different fair culture in the UK than there is here in North America. Renaissance fair? <laughs> Renfairs, yeah. Uh we in the UK, so we have these things called fates. Uh-huh. Which are um, the same as they've always been, honestly. They haven't changed mm-hmm. in hundreds of years. Um, and uh, and we specifically do them when we're, when we're pretty young. So we do have like fairs and carnivals. We tend to call them carnivals over fairs um, that, that come around. Um, and those are, the, those are the same, although we do have some different rides. Like we'll have a Helter Skelter and you guys don't really have that in North America. Um, it's basically just a slide that goes around a, like a tower. Like it's just like a like a lighthouse, I guess you could see it. And then like, there's a, a slide that wraps around the edge and then you sit on the equivalent of a rug and you go down the slide. That's a Helter Skelter. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and so we have like a few different rides, but for the most part, carnivals are fairly the same, but we have these thing called fates. And, um, and specifically they're used for like raising money. So you get them um, at schools and you get them at, like churches so it's like kind of a stereotype that you would have a church fate to to raise money to change the roof to to fix the roof because for i think it was just like so many churches all at one point needed their roofs changed because they were all built around the same time and they're all historical sites so they need very expensive roof repair because they're protected buildings and you can only replace the roof in the same way that it was originally built with these same original materials so for instance if it was like Okay, it wouldn't be for a church, but if it was a thatched roof, you would have to replace it with a thatched roof that was made in the same thatching, mm-hmm. like with the same materials. Like you couldn't use a drill or whatever. Not that you would with a thatch, but you know what I mean? Like it, you have to use the same way. Um, so it's yeah. very, very expensive to repair. And so for a, for a long time, like these these church roofs were, were being rebuilt. And so you have these fates. Um, and the games that are played in the fates are the same games that have been played, like I said before, for for hundreds of years. So you have um, the Crockery Smash, which is basically where um, everyone gets their old chipped plates that are like, you know, the ones that are cracked and chipped and you're kind of wary of and somebody always gets the chipped plate in the family. You bring those and everyone all sets them up and there's like a sheet behind and you get given a wooden ball, which I think is like, it's probably a like a croquet ball or, or something like a, a like a small it's a small wooden ball you're given that you pay 50 pence or a pound or however much you would to play the game you take the wooden ball and you smash some plates and if you hit a plate you might win a coconut like it's that's <laughs> it's like weird things like that there is also i can't remember what the coconut one's called but basically it's the same thing as a crockery smash um except instead of plates being stuck up on a shelf it's um a coconut on a stick you have to knock the coconut off if you do successfully you win the coconut and then there's welly toss which is a rubber boot or a welly wellington um basically they they group you in like 
adult male, adult female, children under 10, you know, you get given a welly and you have to throw it. The person who throws it the furthest wins. Um, You have egg and spoon race, the three-legged race, the sack race. Um, What else is that? Yucky dip and lucky dip. Basically stick your hand in something either yucky, like tins of beans, um, to pull out a prize that's wrapped in plastic, or uh, lucky dip, which is the same, but it's like, like, like polystyrene, like S's or, you know, packing peanuts, I think you call them, um, or like mm. something of the equivalent, shredded paper or something. So you don't get messy. And then there's, uh, there's normally a bake sale, but yeah, there's all those little things. And to me, when I hear, oh, I went to the fair, that's what triggers in my mind. And then mm-hmm. carnival is the one with the rides. Ah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, I went into whole story about British country culture. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. People yeah. are here for the banter. People typically care more about the banter than what we're actually covering for the podcast. <sighs> Rude. You guys should listen to our opinions. <laughs> I mean, but isn't talking about things like that and bantering also our opinions? I guess. Why did you watch it from me? <laughs> I mean, look, I have to provide something to this podcast. You provide the amazing voice. I provide the oh, idiot. No, hey, rude to yourself. No, it's fine. Not fine. Say something nice about yourself. Uh, We're doing Castle in the Sky today. Say something nice about yourself or you'll go in the corner. Mm, let me go find Prickles. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. So mean. Uh, Guys, tell, tell Brad something nice about him. Compliment Look, Brad. I created, Brad some compliments. I, I created the cactus corner and damn it, I'll stay in it. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, the cactus corner is an old uh, joke, I guess, situation from when I used to stream. Um, unfortunately, if you are any kind of, well, I mean, anybody on the internet really, but specifically if you are female, um, you tend to end up with a lot of trolls in your chat. Um, and, uh, yeah, we would occasionally get people that would come in specifically to troll. And so Brad created me a mascot that was a cactus, um, named Prickles. And it just so happened that she guarded the cactus corner that you were sent to if you were a prick. Yep. (laughs) And to this day, the cactus corner lives on. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, Castle in the Sky. That's what we're covering today. Another Ghibli film. It's been a while since we've done Ghibli. It has. So it's nice to be back to it. Yeah. But yeah, so as with pretty much anything Ghibli, especially older Ghibli, it was directed and written by Hayao Miyazaki. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, Studio Ghibli did it. Yes. They do it. Yeah. It was released on August 2nd of 1986 for a runtime of 124 minutes or two hours and four minutes. Yes. Yeah. It had a budget of $3 million. In the box office, it did $16 million. However, grand total for everything sales-wise, it did $157 million between the box office, home video, and soundtrack sales. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah it, killed it. Mm, it's currently available on Netflix, depending on your region. If you're in Canada, it is available on Netflix. Sorry, U.S. Yeah, um, it's available on HBO Max if you're in the U.S. Right. 
Um, it's actually licensed by Disney platform distributions. So um, I'm wondering if it will be eventually on Disney Plus after its contract runs out with Netflix, I assume. Uh, it's possible. Mm. I'm curious as to how HBO and then in turn, if I'm not mistaken, Warner Brothers. Mm. I'm curious as to how they have it for the U.S., how they have the licensing for it in the U.S., considering Disney is a U.S.-based company. Yeah, I, I don't know whether or not they just swooped in there first and then Disney bought it after, but they'd already had an established contract with HBO. Or now, what, Disney's yeah. had the licensing for that shit for, Forever. I think, a couple of decades now, yeah. Hmm, then I'm not sure. So so. Maybe HBO just offered up a shit ton of money to be able to show them. I don't know. I'm True. But then again, I think HBO Max was around before Disney Plus was a thing. So maybe Disney was like, here, have some titles. And now that Disney Plus is out, they're like, mm, we might need those. Yeah, so I expect that we will see the Ghibli films transition over to Disney Plus when their contracts run out with whichever distributor they're currently on. I have a bone to pick with Disney Plus. Do you? How dare those fuckers like simulcast something in Japan mm -hmm. and then not give it to it, like not give it to us here. <sighs> Rude. Summertime Rendering is airing weekly in Japan. It's been airing for four weeks now, about to go into five. We haven't gotten the first episode. Disney Plus has become the new fucking Netflix jail. <gasps> Rude. At hey. least Netflix is finally airing shit week to week, like Comey Can't Communicate Season 2 that's airing now that everybody should go watch, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, when I opened Netflix to to watch this, um, uh, that was blaring me right in the face. Comey can communicate season two. You've already watched the first one. Watch this one. I mean, as it should. Mm. Comey was great. Mm. I kind of sure remember. What I'm having was. a blast. Yay! I rated it a ten. I don't think I rated it that. <laughs> I can't remember what, it, I, what I did. So, whenever this season is over, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to be handing out tens like candy. Tens across the board. I mean, so your boy Kong Ming, Spy Family, Shikimori's not just a cutie, Komi. I'm handing out at least four tens. I'm going to get the schedule made out through summer because, mate, there's so much shit airing weekly right now that we're just going to have to cover. Like, there's no yes. ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yep. Yeah. We've already God, both watched there's half so of much shit. Yep. 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 Q is fun. And then love after world domination because who doesn't love a Power Ranger love story? <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I'm, I'm having that an way. absolute blast. Oh my god! But Yee. anyway, Castle in the Sky. Yes, yes. So it is <laughs> another tangent. Uh, it is rated an eight point two seven um, out of ten on my anime list, and a four point one four um, out of five, or an eight point two eight out of ten on Anime Planet. It has a drop rate. I mean, an eight two point two eight. Eight an eight two point two eight two eight point two eight eight point two eight. Brad's teasing me because when I was doing the calculations earlier, um, I doubled from the back, so from the last decimal place all the way to the um, whole number. And as I was doing, I was as I was doing that, uh, I said it out loud. So it's like, okay, so four point one four times two is at eight two point eight. And Brad was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you going on about? How did you get 82 out of that? Uh, but yeah, it has a drop rate of 0.18%, which is very standard for a Ghibli film. 
that's pretty much standard for any anime film, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, films uh, have a very, very low drop rate because of the fact that most people, if they start a film, they're going to finish a film. Um, this mm-hmm. film was pretty different to the Ghibli films that we have seen so far. It is rated a PG. I would... The the level of PG here I would find debatable. I could see some countries rating this a PG-13 because not only is there um, a lot of like guns and shooting and airships and explosions and like more violent side of things, there is also a couple moments where there is actually blood. Um, so I could see this in certain regions being rated a PG-13 because especially when you consider things like... Um, Laidback Camp is rated a PG-13 simply because there's alcohol featured. So um, I could see this This is being rated a PG-13 in some areas because of that. I think it's fine as a PG. I don't think it's anywhere. Like, I think it's as violent as a Disney film, you know? Like, you think about Snow White. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it is it is a PG. Yeah, I think PG is definitely fair, especially for the US. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I could see Disney airing something like this and just being like, here, kids can watch this. Because, again, that's what Ghibli's aimed after as kids, primarily as their demographics. So I think PG is fine. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think I think PG is fine. Just be aware that maybe if you have um, children that, that watch this, um, I don't necessarily think even go for, like, Older kids, it's just a lot of, like, sometimes loud noises and chaos because it is more of a, I wouldn't say an action, but it has moments of action. Um, And so a really young child might not be able to keep up with the story as well because of those moments. And if you have a kid that is, like, noise sensitive um, or can get overstimulated, um, this one is more intense than other Ghibli films that have a lot more of a slow pace. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So the premise of the film is surrounded by two, uh, I would say, preteens. I don't know, debatable in the age. I would put them. Does it say their age? Yeah. Um. It yeah, it really doesn't give any ages. No. At all. Yeah, I would put them between ten and thirteen. Yeah, I would say middle school aged. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like a preteen age. Yeah. Um, Pazu and Shita. And uh, Shita is our female lead. She has um, a, a special necklace that is kind of the center of this story. Um, and it's an adventure with the two of them who, and they are trying to find this castle in the sky. Um, and uh, Shita, because of this special ne- necklace that she has, also tends to have. Well, obviously, there has to be a villain of the story. The villain of the story is after her special necklace. Um, and yet, they both have this this interest in finding the castle in the sky. It is quite a charming story. I actually said that to Brad whilst, whilst um, I was watching it. The characters are very likeable. It has a very similar art style. And Shita specifically looks almost identical to Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service. To the point where you could see Mm -hmm. them being the same character. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, It's classically Ghibli with the art style just as beautiful as Ghibli always is. Music in it is very, very good, very meaningful, used at very good times. I will say I did notice that the voice acting in this was um sometimes off um 
I think that might just be the age of it. Um, but yeah, there were, and I did, I did watch it dubbed, not subbed. No, subbed, not dubbed. I watched it with subtitles. <laughs> I watched it dubbed. dubbed. Yeah, uh, I will say with the with the subbed, um, even if that was even with that being the original audio, I did see sometimes um, characters speaking when their mouths weren't moving. I never really noticed that issue with the dubbing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that there was anything wrong with it by any shape of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Although, one thing I will say. Muska was voiced by Mark Hamill. Mm. That makes me happy. Because mm. Mark, ha- Mark Hamill is just timeless, man. Especially whenever it comes to voice acting. Like, yeah, I get it. He's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> but also, he's the Joker from Batman the Animated Series. And that's all I give a shit about. <laughs> that's a good thing to give a shit about. Um, but yeah, okay. Let's put on those spoiler chicken hats now. Um, because, yes. Story time! Story time! I freaking enjoyed this film a lot. So, I take it that your man crush on Howl is still giving Howl's Moving Castle your number one slot? Um, I do absolutely have a man crush on Howl. I I have an uh, an obsession with pirates and steampunk and airships, though. Um, And I blame mm-hmm. Treasure Planet for that. Um, it invaded I my brain. That. Yeah, invaded my brain as a child. If you haven't seen that film, it's one of those Disney films that people don't realize is a thing. I feel like you either watched it. I think I think there was probably like maybe five years where kids watched that film, and then it was never heard of before and never heard of it after. You know, I. You see, I've seen the film, mm-hmm. but also I feel like they made a game about it on the PlayStation One. I could see that, and I feel like that's where my thoughts of the treasure planet immediately go to Mm. so i see what you're getting at but that's where my brain goes i think they may have made something for on the game boy as well i remember my brother playing something treasure planet e and i remember like morph being a huge thing but yeah Mm -hmm. treasure planet was is like i i blame treasure planet for how much i love this film um (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh uh yeah i don't know i really i are we gonna talk like linearly about the plot or are we just going to kind of go through what we like? Mm, I mean, I pretty much enjoyed the whole film so we can like kind of go linearly with it because although it's two hours long, it doesn't feel like it's two hours long. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good pace and the story is very like, it's, I think that's probably how it gets away with it, because I could certainly see, like, if My Neighbor Totoro was this long, it would definitely drag in areas, um, mm-hmm. because there's just not a whole lot of, like, push in that story. This story has a lot more, like, push in the plot. Yeah, this one takes place in, like, five chunks, I mm-hmm. would say, but those chunks are entirely fleshed out, mm-hmm. whereas Totoro is, like, three major plot points and everything Mm -hmm. else is just incredibly spread out yeah whereas this has like major focal points but those focal points take up their entire section yeah yeah so we start off with sheeta who's on an airship the airship then gets invaded by pirates she falls from the sky um and we then meet my brain just fries uh uh Yes, Pazu. Thank you very much. We then meet Pazu, who has um, collected her from falling from the sky um, because her necklace stops her from plummeting to her death. 
And um, that is the beginning of our character introduction. That kind of introduces very quickly, starting off with, we get our four main character dynamics. Because mm-hmm. we have our two main characters and we have both villains, our kind of anti-hero and our, our proper villain. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really, really, really enjoyed um, Dola's character um, throughout this film. I thought she was a really interesting um, character to have. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me a lot of Jack Sparrow in a way, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, the good kind of pirate. Yeah, because like she's very self-centered in a lot of ways, but also she cares about people as well. Yeah, I so, think... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like it's a very nice character dynamic in a way, because mm. she has growth in her own way, but also it's not that much growth, <laughs> if that makes sense. She doesn't lose her integrity to her character. Yeah, like she obviously, like the kids grow on her. Mm-hmm. But also, I must still rob everybody blind for what it's worth. Yeah, that's the kind of, that's the thing that I specifically love about pirates as characters. I mean, obviously not necessarily like modern pirates, but the idea of a swashbuckling pirate, I think makes a very good character because of this really relatable I'm a bad guy, but I'm going to tell you that I'm a bad guy and I'm not going to like try and swindle you or like if I do swindle you, you should have expected it. You know, I'm a pirate. But like it's this mm-hmm. kind of like blatant obviousness about the way that they go about their illegal, illegal business <laughs> that makes them so mm-hmm. charming because it, they, they're they not slimy in that sense. Like, like if unless like I feel like the most of uh, the most frustrating villains and what makes them a good villain a lot of the time is that you like them as a hero or you like them as a good person and then they turn out to be a villain mm-hmm. um and those cases it feels like really gross or like if you're even watching a villain throughout the whole story but they put mother gothel is a really good example from tangled um uh, the disney film um, the way mm-hmm. that she has kind of brainwashed Rapunzel into thinking that she's her mother this whole time. Uh, and so she's like this this double-sided double agent kind of thing. Whereas Flynn Rider, again, from the same film, um, he's a thief, but he's charming because he's so, like, he's like, yeah, I'm a thief and what, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and this, this yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, this film has has the same thing. It's like, if they're, if they're upfront about it, then it creates this level of, like, well, they told you they was gonna, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're not going to be surprised by it. Yeah. And obviously they're going to throw back to it at some point as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and it does, I think the way that swashbuckling pirates, I'm going to classify them as that because I don't want to just say like all pirates because that's not true. But like swashbuckling pirates, um, they do tend to have this sense of camaraderie in their depictions in in like film and tv and, and stories um in the sense that like the the people they take care of their own you know um and yeah. that's a, another thing that is shown throughout this film is that starting off with when pazu and dola decide to collaborate to get Sheeta back after she has been kidnapped again they uh they very quickly establish a you're never going to be one of us. You know, you're not going to be a pirate. Like, I'll, we can work together for the time being because we have a common interest. But um, you want the girl, I want the stone. Like, you're not one of us. And then 
as they go through. It's like, okay, they build a relationship, they work together. Time progresses. It's not very much time, but it's enough time for them to develop a sense of reliance on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, that and then turn, develops a sense of further respect. And Dollar then sees these two as kind of like she sees their growth. She sees their potential. She even comments on on Pazu's growth, saying that he has become a man um, throughout the story. And and because of that, they end up with this level of, of communal respect and kind of like, you know, they, they do end up parting their ways at the end. Spoiler. <laughs> I've already did that, but yeah, they do end up parting ways at the end of the film, but they part ways with a sense of like, if they see each other again, it will be on positive grounds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Unlike Muska, who is slimy. <laughs> very, very slimy. Yeah. Mark Hamill just does such a great job being a bad guy. Mm. Yeah. I, it, it's fantastic. For those of us that watch this dub, we know. We all know. Yeah. 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 Muska's a fucking asshole. So, and so great. And the fact, like, uh, he's extra slimy because he's not just slimy to Sheeta, who he's pretty obviously slimy with. I think the, the biggest thing is that he does have that level of um, pulling the wool over uh, his fellow soldiers' eyes. Like, he's part of the military and they're part of a military operation to recover this stone and the castle and the floating island and get the gems and stuff that's on the island. Um, and because they claim it to be this dangerous thing, it is dangerous, but like there's nobody inhabiting it. But they say it's this, this most dangerous thing and they must stop it before um, it overtakes the world or whatever, because it, it had one point had ran the entire world. And so he's pulling the wall over like his fellow general and officer's eyes um, and so you see him being slimy to the pirates, to Sheeta, to Pazu, and then to all of the other soldiers that he is working with. And then he betrays them and sends them to their untimely deaths. So mm-hmm. he's like extra slimy. Yeah, extra super slimy. Mm-hmm. It's it not good. It's not mm-hmm. good at all. Yep. And he has a really bad hairline, but he hides it with pulling it all forward. <laughs> That's a valid point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He he has a bad hairline because he's a bad guy. I will clarify that. Like, if you're losing your hair, it's fine. So long as you're not I, a bad I do guy, feel like that's a then you're slimy. I do feel like that's a running gag in media. Mm. Is a lot of bad guys have their hair their hair just fucking up. Yeah, yeah. Actually, well, I mean, it's not just in media. I feel like you could say that's in politics too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Uncle Pom, the rock guy, the rock guy from the caves, Uncle Pom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a really good- The dude that teaches them about rocks. He is the kind of character that you want an OVA from. Like, what's his deal? Honestly, yeah, I would be fine with having a spinoff about Uncle Pom. Yeah, because he- It's like, oh, the rocks talk to me, and your necklace is not what you think it is. It's actually Ethereum. Yeah, and then he's also like, oh, can you hide it? Because it's, like, too much for me. And I'm like, and then they just leave it at that. And you never get any clarification as to why he's overwhelmed by this rock, other than the fact that it, like, it has the power. But, like, he... Dude's a wizard. Yeah, like, what is it about the rock that's so overwhelming that he has to physically turn away and, like, asks her to hide it? Like, what is that? I want to know. He's a Superman wizard. Mm. And that's his kryptonite. Yeah. Yeah, I am I'm very curious about his stories. I will also say I really liked 
the um okay so mm, uh there's so there's a moment in the story where um Sheeta is on the airship that the pirates have and the very clearly adult male pirates are kind of swooning after her shall i say yeah um, that was which is that made me uncomfy yeah but i like the way that she put them to work, shall I say? Mm-hmm. So she's prepping dinner for the kitchen, right? And she has to make five meals a day for everyone on, on board. Um, and they each come in, each of these pirates come in, and they're like, they have mustaches, they're men. Um, and they come in and they try to be like, well, they, they try to flirt with her um, and they try to offer their assistance to be able to spend time with her. In doing so, each one comes in and then ends up being like seven of them in the room. Um, that running gag is is quite uncomfortable considering the fact that she is quite clearly very young. But the way that they you see them just working for her in the kitchen, I thought was, mm-hmm. it was a, I don't want to say it was a good thing because like it was uncomfy to begin with, but I enjoy the fact that she doesn't respond in any way, and they end up kind of, in a way, being punished for their creepiness. By mm, having to yeah. Yeah, they... It makes you uncomfy, but also they play it off in a way to where it's not as uncomfy, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It was like, they do it, and they're lo- then they're like, oh, we fuck up. Let's make it better. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just one of those things of, like, uh, I don't want to say it was what the 80s it was the 80s but like it was the 80s and the age of consent situation is very different in japan than it is here and mm-hmm. like i it it is a different there is a thing it's a not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing well I, in my opinion it's a bad thing but it's different you know mm-hmm. so i will give them that but um with that point we also see Shita go up to get on this um, glider on top of the airship. And uh, Dola says to her, um, you should come back down. And Shita says, uh, no, I want to stay. And Dola goes, well, you're a girl. And Shita says, so are you. And uh, and then she's like, I'm going to stay. And it was like a kind of like small moment of, you know, feminism. <laughs> Just a small yeah. moment of like, uh, like, because it does happen within, like, women as well. This is one thing that I think that isn't necessarily spoken about a lot outside of women's circles. Uh, but quite a lot of the time, you will get older women that are doing things that are very, like, f- like you know, making leeway in their career or whatever. And then they do say to young younger women, you shouldn't do that, you're a woman, or are you thinking about having kids, or, uh, you know, you're clocks ticking whatever you know and they mm-hmm. don't realize necessarily that they are perpetuating the same thing that they had to experience themselves because it is like a cultural thing like you just kind of pick it up as you go along and like like it's you wouldn't necessarily consider asking someone in their late 20s if they're considering having children soon because their clocks running out like necessarily a super bad thing like it might just be like Oh, I mean, obviously, if you worded it that way, then then it would be. That would be quite rude. But if you just went to someone mm. who's in their older 20s and you're like, oh, are you thinking of settling down soon? That kind of question doesn't necessarily seem, you know, super rude. But yeah, it is the kind of thing of like, well, you know, it's not 
like everyone's it's not every woman's goal in life to have kids and that's kind of putting us in a box to say that and I feel like this film did have that small little talking point there of that that very thing of, of an older woman saying to a younger a younger girl you know you shouldn't do that you're a girl and having like well you did it and I like that it's a good moment mm-hmm. it's realistic it is yeah we also had some nice and killer robots in this as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very. What is that film? Um, I Am Legend? No, that's the Will Smith film. What's the iRobot? Is that the animated one? Uh, no, iRobot's the Will, Will Smith, Smith film. Yeah, I, I Am Legend, Legend is also a Will Smith film, but it's not the Different robot one. one. That's Which the one's that? One. I, is it just iRobot? What's There's an animated robot film that's like, I don't know. Wally? No, no, no. It's like old. A European or no. Somebody will tell me. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, there's like a, I'm, I'm going to see if I can Google it. Um, animated. I just typed in animate because my brain just does that for me. It finishes it. Animated uh, robot film. Um, early 2000s? No. Maybe. Oh, that one. The Iron Giant, 1999. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Yes, that's I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of slightly reminiscent of that. Yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, he had some nice, robot design. nice robots. Also had some asshole robots that took part of killing all of Muska's men. Uh, well, I mean, they're robots. They do what robots do and follow programs. <laughs> yeah, but you had those that like gave the kids flowers and whatnot. And then you yeah, had the other robot robots was... that are like... Just eating themselves out of a ship to burn down another ship. Because they were told to. But also, like, that that scene with the grave and stuff was really, like, sad. It was sad, but it's also, I guess, cute in a way. It's bittersweet in the sense that, like, you know, you see him, him as the last robot. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, oh, and then he has all his little animal friends and he's just living like a Disney princess. And that's kind of not so sad, mm-hmm. but also still sad because he is the last robot. But he's not the last robot. Yeah. But at that moment, you think he is the last robot. Yeah, because there's about to be a lot more robots and those are the assholes that kill everything. Yes. Yes. Um, we also. And also floating city that can drop nukes. Yes. And uh, guns in bloomers. We have guns like handguns we have were they bayonets the guns with the swords on the end bayonets yeah yeah there, there were bayonets involved yep um that explosives dynamite yeah grenade launchers pazu got shot in the cheek well grazed he did yeah he did get grazed in the cheek mm. um yeah action-packed and holograms yeah shit holograms. was yeah there was holograms mm. There's there's quite a bit of like shit in here to where you're just like, oh, okay, sick. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like well, this film is very steampunk. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What else what else was there that's that's of note? Um, the ending, I guess. The ending isn't really a happy ending, in a sense, because the, the kids leave the island. They they destroy the um like the brain of the island, I guess. And all that's left is the crystal and the tree that's kind of supporting the upper ground level. Um, but like, and the, and I guess the castle, but like all of the buildings around and the, the cubes that kind of create this inner structure all um, fall to the earth, which must have created a mm. whole lot of damage. But um, they, 
They then get on the glider and glide off of the island. And it's kind of assumed that that's it. And the way that they describe it, the way that the film kind of ends, is that the island is rising now without its bottom half. And so you kind of like assume that maybe it'll just keep rising. You know, I yeah, that's know. kind of like, what I got. From yeah, it as it's well. just it's yeah. just going to keep going and and eventually go into the out atmosphere and whatever. Um, but yeah, so the ending is kind of because then, of course, then they they meet up with the pirates. They have reconciliation um, with them for a little bit, where they get to see them having they did manage to steal some gems from the island, and then they glide off, and it's just the two orphans on the glider, and that's kind of it, and. Uh, and it's, yeah, it is one of those moments where it's not necessarily a happy ending. And I think this is consistent with a lot of Ghibli films is that it leaves you on not a happy ending, not a sad ending. It's just kind of the chapter, the end of the chapter of, of this story, you know? Mm. Um, and I personally really enjoy that from these films, but I can see how if you're not used to European or Asian um, films or like stories in general, this could be, this could feel like an abrupt ending because it doesn't have that nice little neat bow that wraps up everything. Yeah, but it's still enjoyable. What'd you end up rating it? Um, I don't think that I'm going to rate this one as high as some other Ghibli films just because of that questionable uh, behavior of the pirates with Sheeta. Um, mm-hmm. I did enjoy the action scenes. I like how uh, Muska is so slimy. Um, Dole is a great character. Uh, I'm thinking like an 8.5. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm, what about I'd you? I'd say I'd probably give it an 8. Yeah. Because again, it's not on the level of Howls or Spirited Away by any means, but it was still an enjoyable film. Oh, I'm, I'm going to knock off the 0.5 because of the voice acting. Desyncing at some points. Well, uh, like, yeah. Well, that's just on your end anyway. Wait, since uh, you decided to watch it subbed. Yes, I did watch it subbed. I'd be interested to see if in dubbed, if they 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 fixed it um but yeah i did see specifically i think it was one scene with dola where she was Mm -hmm. talking and there was just no mouth movement yeah there's like i said i don't recall anything like that just standing out to me and typically i'm a big like noticer of shit like that especially since whenever i'm re-watching something i'm more apt to watch the dub than Mm -hmm. the sub but I think Disney went in and did a lot of work whenever they got the licensing for it and like remade a lot of the films to Mm -hmm. make it I guess, like, redo the dubbing. Yeah, they would have probably also cleaned them up a bit. Yeah, so I feel like it might be why I didn't notice any issues, mm. but it's not fun that you had the issues. That's not yeah. fun. Yeah, it was just a couple of moments, but it was it was noticeable enough for me to have picked up on it. Yeah, but the soundtrack was good. The soundtrack was the, good. The melodica music from Your Line April, that brought me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh... I I actually really liked the beginning half of the story as well. We didn't actually talk much about Puzzy's hometown, um, but I like that story. I like the I like the um, muscle off. I got very Full Metal Alchemist vibes with that. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, I'm watching that scene with Armstrong again. Yes. Yeah, I could, I I thought that was fun. Um, I would have. I I feel really bad, like, when I was watching that, though, when they were just destroying the mines. Like, there was guns going off throughout Mm. the entire town. They freaking bombed. Like, they threw, like, a a grenade at the villagers. Just, like, normal people. They just threw a grenade at them. Yeah, I felt really bad when I was watching that. I was like, oh, my God, the whole town is just destroyed. 
Yep, pretty much. Um, but yeah, that that was oh, that I would have loved. I'd love to live in a town like that, in a mystical, magical yep. mining town. The mining, maybe not so much. I don't feel like getting some kind of disease from poison from po- poison bad lung lung coal mining problems. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want anything <laughs> like that either. But still, yes. living in a town like that with like as close knit as it was and everything, mm. that would be cool. Yeah, because I've I've lived in in quite a few small towns, but uh, I feel like you know, I, I guess it's just like the small towns that I've lived in haven't been quite small enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also feel like that in Canada, especially, you spend so much of your time in cars because um, it's cold. <laughs> that Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have that same like greet you on the street kind of vibe you know yeah i I see what you're saying although you do get like kids playing street hockey and stuff out here Mm -hmm. it was more i think i probably had more of that experience in the uk but then i used to i was quite a wild child in the uk Uh, i used to walk to and from school by myself um at very young probably younger than my parents would like to admit these days but it was like the early 2000s and i was in a small town um but mm. I had quite a I had quite a lot of like people watching over me I remember like walking past the window washer and he would see me every day walking past the chip shop and they would see me every day walking past you know several of the houses of of other students where they would see me every day and I remember like you know because I think it was just a small child walking by herself in a school uniform um <laughs> yeah. where I had that kind of experience so I think I had that more in the UK than out here but mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to spend at least, I don't know, maybe a year of my life in a very small, uh, probably closer-knit home. I probably wouldn't do it in North America because the houses are too spaced out. But maybe somewhere in like rural Italy or something I think would be very fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I can agree with that. Mm. Anyway, that's my tangent. <laughs> so we got anything else? I'm good. All right. How do we do outros again? I forgot. You say... <laughs> uh that's it bitches we out yeah yeah that thing um <laughs> plugs i on twitch twitch.tv forward slash brad carter gaming mm. also on the instagram at brad carter gaming blue on the instagram and twitter at blue lavender stm and on the tiktok and youtube at blue lavender lavender with an a not yes. an e yeah and actually recently i've posted two pictures on the best tilly bean because i'm back home at my parents and that means i can take pictures of the pup so hell yeah tilly. Yeah. yeah if you want to see um those pictures then go over to instagram at the best tilly bean for some doggo photos um but that's it from us uh, we do have links for the podcast, though. So if you are interested in following us on social media for the podcast, we are at BNB Anime on everything. We also have YouTube channel at BNB Anime. If you are currently listening to this podcast on the YouTube channel, you are one week behind. You can catch up a week if you want to right now by heading on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite listening platform is because we upload there one week in advance. Um, and... Yeah, we have a website, www.bnbanime.com. We also, that's it. That's everything. We don't have anything else. Yep, yep. That pretty much takes care of it yep. all. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week, we got a brand new film that just came to Netflix called Bubbles, made Ooh. by Wit Studios, which is the same studio that did Attack on Titan, seasons ah. one, two, three. Da, 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 da. Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah. Until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.